Welcome to episode two of Garnet and Old. I'm Ryan Eastman. I'm Vince Ciccarelli. And I want to start by giving a shout out to the tens and tens of fans out there that showed up. It was actually tens plus tens more than I expected. Uh, but we actually had, right, we had 55 people as of about, uh, I don't know, five minutes ago that have downloaded the podcast and uh, listened to it. And uh, it's amazing. They're not all my mom. You know, just to, you know, put some perspective on this, I'm pretty excited about it. And I want to thank people for listening. Um, you know, we really appreciate that. We're new to this. So, uh, you know, people listening to it, it's like a big rush. It really is, right, Brian? We saw those first couple things come in. Um, and what was really strange about it is, you know, you can also tell like where people are listening from mm-hmm. and a lot of things in Florida for sure. And that makes sense. Right. But I don't know anybody in Huff, Ohio. Do you? No, I don't know anyone in Germany either. Uh, right. Danke. Right. Thank you for listening. Um, and hopefully, uh, tell your friends, right. We'll get some more. And, uh, even for the people that, uh, did some reviews for us too, we thank you for that, um, you know, that's, oh, it's above and beyond. It's above and beyond, so. Episode two, so for those of you uh, who did not listen to the first episode, this is a completely fan opinion podcast. We are not experts. We don't have any connections of any merit, and we are just talking like we would talk uh, before a game. Yeah, what's the tagline? No connections. No inside information. No problem. No problem. No problem. So, it's all football today. Uh, we're going to talk about a couple things. First of all, we're starting our first series on what we call the best moments of the season. Okay, the best moments of the season combined with the worst, the, the worst, yeah, moments. the uh, the low points of the season. So, so we don't make this an hour and a half podcast because we could talk that long we about could. this topic. We're going to break it down in each episode. We are going to cover one year starting in 2010, which is what we're going to do today. And each time, each podcast, we're going to pick our, both our favorite game and our least favorite or horrible game that year that really comes to mind uh, each and every year. So today, 2010. What a year. Yep. Uh, I think I'm going to let you start. So big things happening in 2010. Uh, it was Jimbo Fisher's first year as the head coach of Florida State University. He had almost a full head of hair still. Yes, the island uh, had not receded at that point. Him and uh, Candy were doing great. They were. Ethan uh, was best friends with everyone on the team. Yep. Uh, But what a time. And I can tell you, coming into that season, uh, I had sky-high expectations, not for the end record, but for the, The I guess... The climb or the genesis of a program where I would see marked improvements in every single aspect on the field. Uh, There were definitely highs in the season, especially, and I think you're going to get into this at the end, the end of the season. But there were also bitter, bitter defeats. I'm going to start with my low point of the year, which is the Virginia Tech game. Now, I know it's technically not in the regular season, but that's okay. It can be bowl games. No, it's the season. Yeah. It's the season. The first time I had expectations of a what I felt should be a win was the Virginia Tech game in the ACC championship. The reason for that is I had had enough evidence that we were much better in all aspects, 
especially coming off a win against Florida, which was the first time we had beaten Florida in a long time. He quit. Yeah, he quit, yeah. He quit. Urban Meyer got out of town. I still remember that picture of them holding the Gator Skull, you know, on the 50-yard line. It was a good time. So I was probably overzealous, as I tend to be, the eternal optimist. And I thought we were going to destroy Virginia Tech. I thought, uh, who cares about this guy, Tyrod Taylor? Have you ever heard of Tyrod Taylor? Well, now we have. Sure. That tends to happen to us, though, right? Right. The game starts, and I'm telling you, most frustrating game I had seen in a long time because we kept moving the ball down the field. I'm talking multiple trips across the 50 over and over and over and over again. But right when we got to a point where we would be in the red zone or a scoring opportunity, something catastrophic would happen. A sack, uh, a, a fumble, a really bad drop pass, and it just felt like we could not get our head above water. We were just treading water the whole time. They couldn't get the crumbs. Couldn't get the crumbs, and, and you know, it's the little things that can win you an important game. And we never were getting blown out in that game, which is nice. It's much different than it is these days. But going into the fourth quarter, we were down by 10, okay? And that's kind of how the game ended. You know, it wasn't a blowout, was not a super close game. It's not like we lost by three. It was a convincing Virginia Tech solid victory for them. Right, and you never thought, and I never thought, but I'm, I never thought, I'm sure you th- never thought as well, that that we're, there was a chance we were going to get back into it. Like, Mm-mm. it was almost like we thought uh, if something... If they did something wrong, mm-hmm. we would have a shot. But we weren't going to make that happen on our own. It seemed like a very, watching it, sometimes you get the flow of a game. This was one of those games that it was, both teams played the same basically the entire game. Uh, Virginia Tech was just a little bit better every single drive. We were just a little too mistake prone every single drive. And there was not a whole lot of big swings in momentum. It was kind of just an even keel, the same momentum throughout the whole game. And that's right. when rewatching right. it, it was exactly what I expected. We would score, they would match. We would kick a field goal, they would match. It was never a catching up point where momentum flipped in our way. Right. Um, but that's my game, Vince. I remember being very, very disappointed, although still encouraged by what I'd seen in Jimbo Fisher's first year. Yeah, um, I, I was... Pleasantly happy. I was pleasantly surprised, not surprised, but happy to make the championship game at all. To be honest with you, um, so we had it. We had a, we had some chances in that game, but I, I never felt like we were going to take the step to win that game. Tell me your disappointing moment. Okay, going to really bring the room down. Oklahoma for sure, right? Um, Florida State's never been opposed to playing big time programs anywhere, anytime. That's always been the way. Uh, and so we go out to Oklahoma, and I've been reading all of the material that's out there about whether we were ready to make this step or not, and we obviously weren't. I was excited to have the opportunity to play in that game and, and to see where we were, and unfortunately, we got to see where we were. So, uh, I mean, obviously I wasn't there. So, And that is pretty much when Christian Ponder's Heisman campaign that year came to an end. Yeah, CP7 Seven. not happening you know at that point is different than you know willie's first game right <laughs> where i think there was an, some actual belief going on there mm-hmm. and uh and we all saw what happened there when that came crashing down to the earth so hey heck of a first touchdown by christian ponder though in the first quarter oh sure uh that had we won leading. that we we would we, we won the game at that point 
the opening drive, uh, we were going to win that game in my mind. That, I believe that was a scripted drive, mm-hmm. and it went according to plan, and after that it did not go according to plan. Correct. So we got the negatives out of the way. Yep. We got some real, real positives. I'm going to go into a game for my favorite game of the year. It doesn't always have to be the most important for the season, but my favorite. Clemson game. Okay? Yep. Clemson, at that time, was not great. They are not the Clemson of today. No. Uh, but Dabo was the coach. But back then, they were Clemsoning. Was he just just getting to be the coach yes. at that point? Yeah. Yep. Uh, this was just past the, the Bowden era at, right. at Clemson. Um, but what I do remember in this game is that we had very similar records. I think they had one more win than what we did at that point. And it was important because we were trying to make it to the ACC championship game. We just talked about the Virginia Tech game. We don't make it to that game if we don't beat Clemson. So I remember being in that stadium and feeling an energy in the stadium that night. It was absolutely packed. What was cool about that is we already had three losses, and it was still packed. And absolutely going insane, right? And I think it's because when you see competency start to, like, okay, we're not good enough. We don't have the players yet. We're missing some pieces. But we can see that there's competency in the coaching and in the scheme. And we have a chance to win every game. I think chance and hope is a big deal. It is a big deal. But also, you have to factor into that that there was still something on the table to play for, too. Mm -hmm. So. And, and, and this kind of reminds me, and I can't wait for, for this season, because I think 2010 is a mirror image of what a positive season that has some losses looks like. You can have four or five losses in a year. And, hurts my heart. And fans still be excited about the future because you were in every single game that you played. So one of my favorite things in the world is we were tied 13-13. to EJ completed, I think, about three passes, each for about 10 to 15 yards, a bunch of intermediate, middle-of-the-field mm-hmm. passes, and a lot of them were like quick hitch or comeback routes where the player just turned around and hit him right in the chest, the player went down, and we called a timeout. Right. Um, we got a timeout. I think we were on like the 48 or 49-yard line with uh, four seconds to go. Here comes the man with the golden toe, Dustin Hopkins, yeah. my man. 50-plus-yard field goal. The stadium, I can tell you, because I was there, was absolutely dead silent. Because nobody in that stadium wanted to drop that game. Because you drop that game, you're out of the ACC championship, the hope is gone. You felt like this was the season. He kicks that ball, and the best part about it was it's not one of those where it's like, oh, please, please, please. Oh, it, yeah. was, it was it was a boom. good from 60 straight down the middle. And I think he knew it right away, too. He kicked the ball and immediately started running backwards with his hands up as the players were chasing him. It was hilarious because I almost feel like he didn't want to be dogpiled. He didn't want to be clobbered. He was running away from everyone. He's a smart man. So that game gives me a smile from from ear to ear because of how big it was getting to that, what I felt like was a big accomplishment, just making it to the ACC championship game. Like right now, Vince this season, if I told you we were a four-loss team, but we made it and lost in the ACC championship game, you would be thrilled. Oh, my goodness. Uh, that would be a dream. It would be a dream come true. It's a big dream. The dream's not happening this year. No. But, Vince, what game really hits your heart? Okay, speaking of holy poultry, um, for me, the game that I remember the most, have the most fond memories of, is the Chick-fil-A Bowl. 
um, we went to visit some friends of ours live in Atlanta uh, and very very good friends of ours and, and you know kids kind of the same age as ours C kids kind of grew up together Florida State you know we met them at Florida State so friends from way back so we went to stay with them um, it's always a good time and uh, going to the Chick-fil-A Bowl um, you know just some some things about that game right Greg Reed, everybody remembers that. Everybody remembers the type of game he had. And I think, I'm trying to remember, I think like they made a big deal about his dad being at that game, mm -hmm. right? Uh, the big hit on uh, Lattimore, um, you know, just from, you know, from, from the get-go, there was a defensive presence in that game, and uh, they could never get anything going. Uh, six, maybe six turnovers? Yes. I think right around there? Yep, not interceptions, but turnovers. Yeah, right. And, um, you know, Garcia, you know, didn't look comfortable the whole game. So, so from a defensive standpoint, you know, we we made that game happen. And D Hop, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, other than Greg Reed, right? D Hop should have been the player of the game. Yep. You know, kept us ahead. Um, and then, you know, just some names that I haven't thought of in a while, right? So, like Chris Thompson, you know, big runs in that game. Big, big runs, runs on the game. on the edge too. Um, so I remember that, and of course I remember. Um, I just made a couple notes here. Steve Spurrier coached yes. the Hawks in that game. Yes, it's always did. good to beat him. What do they do with all that talent down there in Tallahassee? I don't know. They give them all free shoes, right? That's a so, Steve Spurrier quote. Um, but I, you know, I kind of pulled this up. This is from the Chick Fil A Bowls. My daughters here. Um, they're holding the little cow. They had a little. Uh, they had a blimp. You know, a rope. A remote control blimp going through the crowd, and they dropped these cows mm -hmm. with parachutes. So my girls both got one of those. So anyway, just just a great memory, and uh, you know, we won the game. Very positive. Uh, a couple other names that jumped off the page at me: um, a very young Xavier Rhodes, who was just awesome in that game. He actually had, I believe, a couple pass breakups and maybe one interception. Um, Ty Jones. Carlton? Yeah. Ty Jones was big in that game. He had a couple big runs. Um, and as usual, very few of the media um, would pick us or talk about us winning that game because we were going up against the mighty SEC. The SEC. So it's always good to put the smack down on that when you can. So one of the most important things in Tallahassee, other than football, is food. Absolutely. Food. And beverage. So we both picked out some of our favorite local establishments. Right. We'll talk about those. This is my introduction to uh, Cajun food. Mm -hmm. And the place is not there anymore. Good Time Charlie's. Uh, it was my introduction to red beans and rice. And let me tell you, I could not, I, I could not go a week without going in there and just ordering that, you know, Sometimes mm -hmm. a college student doesn't have a lot of money, so you may not be forking out all the dough. But red beans and rice was a reasonable price, mm -hmm. uh, and so Good Time Charlie's the establishment was up there uh, across Tennessee from where uh, from where the uh, was that a Papa John's there on the one side of the street? It still is. Yeah, and so on the other side, it was right on the other side, kind of where Momo's is now, um, and it was right there, and so it was easy to get to. Good Time Charlie's. Not there anymore, though. Sorry, folks. Now, my favorite place that I went probably more times than any anywhere in Tallahassee 
Shout out to Midtown Caboose slash Monks. Okay, so, those are current ones. Yes, mm-hmm. Monks is no longer there. They left it with just their new location, Midtown Caboose, which is uh, behind Lake Ella. Mm-hmm. Um, really, really amazing hamburgers, custom hamburgers. So Monks was a party kind of atmosphere on Tharp Street by Godby and Winn-Dixie. Um, and it was kind of a hole in the wall on that location. It had a deck. There was zero to no parking ever. And so you, your car would get towed if you, you know, even parked anywhere outside that parking lot. Um, so I went to that place a lot when I lived in Villa San Marco on Tharp Street. Shout out, Villa San Marco. <laughs> we should uh, talk about the places we lived at some point. It was fantastic living show, there. Um, it was a great, great area to live far enough away from campus while still being close enough. Mm-hmm. But I could walk to Monks, and I did, and I, it's probably a good thing. I won't, you know, go too far into that, but there's a good thing that I sure. could walk to Monks. Um, but as an adult, moving back, someone mentioned to me and my wife, "Did you know they opened a another location?" And I googled it, and I was like, "I don't, I don't see it." Yep. And they said, "No, it's Midtown Caboose." Yeah, it's not called Monks. It is classy inside, fresh paint. Nice, nice atmosphere, great, much better parking, and a deck still. The the burgers are just as good. I mean, PB&J burgers, ahi tuna burgers, massive chocolate. They have a burger with chocolate poured on it. You can get anything you want there. For, for a big guy I like me, it's the dream. I okay? love this country. So that is my, I would say, top pick, and I'm only going to go in detail one other one so why don't you give me your other top pick yeah I, I so i went a little different on this um because my top pick currently would have been spirit but it's no longer there right rest in peace so uh but the same uh, the same group there has another restaurant uh bannerman circle area mm-hmm. uh called horizon and so they have some of the same items from the menu and you know what I'm getting at with that. Mm, mac um, and cheese logs, my man. I heard about that from another podcast, and I, I'm not ashamed to say that. And when we went there, I had them. They are life-changing, uh, and they still have those there. So if you're ever out that way, you should do it. But I, I want to I, I talk about one of the – actually, two more real quick. This won't be long. You take as long as you So, need. So you said – you brought up the fact that Monks and, and uh, Midtown Boost had a deck. So mm-hmm. maybe immediately what came to my mind was Buffalo's Wings and Rings. I didn't. I had not thought about that till just now. Um, many, many chickens were sacrificed to me and my cohorts at that place. And, Fantastic. Uh, oh, man, it was so delicious. Um, we were there all the time, and that's you know, right across from uh, where Jim and Milt's kind of is there. Um, so I don't remember what the place is called now. but And then the last one I want to mention... Um, as far as a throwback would be the mill Uh, and the reason for the mill strictly for the muffins that they had they were huge they were just huge muffins and if you were lucky enough in the mint magazine um, they would have a buy five get five free and so uh, that when you got that and you saw that coupon in there let me tell you what you were you were full of muffins for a while and those muffins were delicious. Uh, and now called Kush's. Now called Kush's, which I did not know till you brought that up to me. Have you been there yet? I have not been there yet. As a matter of fact, every time I go to God's Country, I keep meaning to go to Midtown Caboose 
and Kush's, but we, we never get around to it because we were there for a limited time and we end up going to Madison Social. Madso. Yep. Good, good establishment. I'm going to go through some honorable mentions before I get to my final one. Okay. And my final one is not even good food. So we'll, we'll get into that. Quantities? Just quantity. Okay, gotcha. Okay. Uh, and as a college student, that was important. Right. Uh, but shout out. Hobbit, Hoagie. Good, good. Uh, great, great Hoagies and great wings. Mm-hmm. Really good wing flavors and good drink specials on game day and all that kind of stuff. So Hobbit, Hoagies, really good. Dog It All on South Monroe Street. You could literally get a corn dog, fries, and an apple pie on the side that comes with it for $5. It was fantastic. Only down part is you had to go to South Monroe Street. Right. So, uh, fourth quarter, Bar and Grill on North Monroe Street. Delicious wings. Um, Not the greatest inside look and and feel. Not the worst I've seen, but not the greatest, but really good wings. They probably would never become a sponsor now at this point. Uh, I don't want them as a sponsor. Oh, that's not correct. You know who I want as a sponsor, though? I know. Is this place. Uh, The place I lived at after getting off work from Holy Poultry... Because it was three doors down, El Jalisco. Okay. Uh, probably the lowest grade quality of Mexican food available in the greater North Florida area. It was not good, Vince. But, tell you what it was. It's cheap. You got a lot of food. Mm-hmm. And 24-7, buy one, get one free margaritas. That's, it, that's troublesome. That was a time. Let me tell you what. And when you're on a budget as a student. and The budget goes toward those items. And you can walk somewhere from the Holy Poultry location after work. Long Saturday night from working, you know, a 10-hour shift. Mm -hmm. And you can sit down. And every one of those nights that I would go there, they had multiple screens of college football going on. Cheap Mexican food and margaritas. They knew who their clientele was. And they uh, cater to you, my friend. They literally, on their sign out front, never had anything else but it said, buy one, get one margaritas. I would be interested to know if what everybody else, anybody that's listening, if you've been to Tallahassee, lived there, places you've been, um, we'd, love to, we'd love to know about that. Where do, you, where do you want them to put that kind of stuff, Ryan? Send an email to garnetandold at gmail.com. You can follow us on, on Twitter garnet underscore old on twitter and we also have a facebook uh, page just search facebook garnet and old and you will find us promptly join our facebook group you can ask the question on any of those platforms. absolutely again we're not uh pretending to be anything more than what we are ryan passionate fans so before before we end right i want to i meant to do this during the last show and i want to do it today and that is um as passionate fans, we all have to do our part, and, uh, and and I'm proud to say I'm doing my part. And if you have the means, and you would like to, everything that we do um, to contribute to the Seminole Boosters helps the team get better. So the last I checked uh, was earlier today. I think we are 97% to goal mm. for one tribe as far as the financial goal, and I think we are you know upper maybe mid 80s to goal on the donors the individual donors themselves so if you have the means jump in there you know one tribe unconquered the more the merrier 
So the last thing we're going to talk about, and this is not really current events, although it's leading into the the season. We are on the dog days of summer, uh, which pretty soon, though, ACC Media Days, right around the corner. So we're really going to start ramping up and get some current events. We might uh, get some recruit news soon. I know they're they're having about 12 recruits this weekend coming in, which is awesome. So I want to talk about impact transfers, and we're not going to go on and on. There's a lot of them, okay? Um, But the ones that we think are going to have the biggest impact as a whole on the team. now. But you can't pick the obvious ones. Mackenzie Millen, we're going to leave out. Right. I want to talk about uh, my player, Jay Sean Corbin. Now I know he was here last year. Yes. But do you really think we saw full Corbin last year in a COVID year? Coming off an injury. Coming off an injury. No, probably not. Uh, The end of the year, the Duke game. He started showing. Yeah, you started seeing some, you know, some actual puts button power behind what he was doing. I think Corbin is the guy on fourth and one. We will be able to go to you over and over, and he in the Wildcat, and pick up that quick yard without risking Mackenzie Milton getting hurt. Because you don't. Let's be honest, we don't want to run Mackenzie Milton this year. If we can, if we can avoid that, that would be good. He will scramble when necessary, but we are not calling designated runs. I hope for Mackenzie Milton. If anything, it'll for be his own, I mean, for his sake. But Corbin is my pick for the player that I think is going to have the biggest leap and change from last year and make a huge impact on the team just simply by him being 100% healthy. He is a program guy. He's sure. fully in. And they are going to count on him because we, although we have a lot of backs, we don't have a lot of quality backs other than the two deep. His body type just matches what I like in a running back, which is power and speed mixed together. Uh, So that's my pick. What about you? Uh, For me, because we're not doing Mackenzie Milton, I'm going to pick Keir Thomas. Um, Keir Thomas, defensive line. Mm -hmm. And, you know, just from a... Uh, a depth standpoint. I mean, he is a he is a college player already. Mm-hmm. You know, transferring in uh, with snaps under his belt, and and we do not have again, like I said, we do not have depth, and and just adding players that have experience at the power five level that you can feel confident have the have the body to go through the grind and be able to do the right thing. So that is a big deal for me, and I'm going to say Keir Thomas. All right, Vince. Well, episode two. Electric Boogaloo. Electric Boogaloo. We thank you for listening. Uh, Share it if you can, if you want to. If you don't feel like it's too much trouble. Like, share, subscribe. I'm told that helps us show up as a result. All the technology stuff, I don't understand it. Apple Podcasts. Only now. right now. We will now. be on other uh, other uh, brands soon. Thank you guys for listening so much. It's been a great episode. We will see you next time on Garner and Old. Thank you, everybody. SEC, Florida State, Florida State, your brothers, your team, your heartbeat. We some dogs. We ain't no puppies.